0: Alright, as you can tell with all these votives up here and what we've done today, our focus is definitely on on the passages of Scripture that talk about eternal life. <clears throat> I, I have it all listed out here. That way, parents and everybody here, whenever a child actually comes up to you and asks you, where are the Scriptures about? eternity, you can actually point to them. I know when I was a child, I came up with difficult questions for my parents. Um, Some of them being, and I've even had this from my daughter in the past week, who created God? And Kara, Kara had already warned me that she was asking that question, and Kara said that she had struggled with that same question when she was a little girl, and so when she came to me and said, who created God, You know, Rebecca asking me, I said, you should actually talk to your mom. Your mom struggled with that one. Um, Another one that I came up with when I was a kid, was how far is heaven? My parents could never tell me how far away heaven was. Um, And then the one we're going to deal with today is, how long is eternity? These are questions I think even as adults, we struggle with. It's hard for our mind to even fathom, how long is eternity forever and ever? Something that we hope to glean to, because there's always two points of eternity. There's one with God, and one that is away from Him. So, Janet just read from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. And within that, the last portion of that passage says, "...therefore comfort one another with these words." That's an action that we are to do. I love this passage because it tells us to comfort one another with this eternal hope, knowing that whenever we actually die, we go to be with Him, and there is a hope, as some people don't have. And so we cannot grieve in the same way. Another passage, as we're going back, um, I'm going to reference the ones that I grew up with, pastors referring to, teachers that I had, but they never would actually refer back to what we consider the Old Testament. Now I consider the Torah and the Prophets and the history of the writings. So, in John, um, if you'll turn to John 11, and as you're turning there, I'm going to reference one... That also goes along with that First Thessalonians passage. And in John 14, through 3 it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You see, that passage was always tied into that first Thessalonian passage for me when I was a kid. The pastors always used these New Testament verses to explain what eternal life was and how we were going to dwell in this big mansion. And I love it because it's there. He is preparing a place for us. I'm not saying any of these are false, but what we're going to get to a little bit later, where it's found in the Old Testament, within the Torah and the Prophets. Why? Because I was a difficult child. I would look at the Scriptures and pick certain ones out and ask questions about it. And in John 11, 21-27, it says, This is when Lazarus had already died and his sisters were mourning and grieving. And in 20, it, I'll pick up there, it says, Mar- Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Get this. And this is where, as a difficult child, I would ask the pastors, I would ask the teachers. It says, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Why? How did she know that? that, That couldn't have been foreign to her. Where was that scripture at? We'll get to that in a little bit. But interesting, she already knew about the resurrection. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. See, she believed. She actually saw the resurrection take place with her own brother. Jesus showed her this physical form would rise again and he pointed to himself, which got him in trouble, one of the reasons why he actually was crucified later on because others would not believe the same thing. But where did Martha get that? Okay. Another passage. So this is all going together. I always turn to Revelation. Revelation 21, 1-4. Before we go back to the original context. Revelation 21, 1-4 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. All the way at the end of the Bible, it teaches us to look towards heaven. But where did they get this? Where did Martha get it? Well, let's go to the prophets. Isaiah 25. If you notice, it said, No more crying, wiping away your tears. Isaiah 25, 6-9. through 9. Does this sound familiar? The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples in this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain He will swallow up the covering which is over all the peoples, even the veil which is stretched out over all the nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and He will remove the reproach of His people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that He might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Revelations just talked about wiping away the tears and swallowing up death. right there in Isaiah. Is this the only passage that Martha would have referenced? It isn't. Let's look at Ezekiel. I'm going through this fairly quickly because we're going to have a time where I would like to reflect on the loved ones that have went before us personally and allow that testimony to be shared again today. How they give us hope, how they brought the faith into our family. But also, these are passages of Scripture that you need to be aware of so you can talk not just to your children, but to others. Because the hope started way before. For Jesus was, He is, and always will be. It's in the passages before. Ezekiel 37 is another one, 1 to 10. Says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. All these bones, all these lives that had passed away. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. I love that. It's like, uh, you know. You know more than I do. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say, the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. Get that. It's not the prophet. It's God causing breath to come into life into the life, just like it was in Genesis. I will put sinews, I will put ligaments and muscles on you, make flesh grow back on you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, there was a noise, And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, and bone to its bone. I would start freaking out about right then if I was the one that was prophesying. But thank goodness it was Ezekiel, not me. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as He commanded me and breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. See again, it's about the eternal life. Raising the bones from beneath the prophets have spoken. And in the next passage, the last portion of this same chapter, I'd say this chapter is something that you should always refer to in Ezekiel 37. But in 40, um, 24 to 28, it says, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. They will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived, and they will live on it they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. There we go. There's that word again, eternity, forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. Wait, we already know David's gone. He's no longer living, but it says he will be there forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. Is this sanctuary even standing today? Or is this something that we still have to look forward to tomorrow? My dwelling place also will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So another. Again, it's about God being with us. So this is another passage that we should be aware of when we're answering some of those questions that are hard to follow as far as how long is eternity. Where can we see eternity in the earlier passages of Scripture? Let's go now to Daniel. Daniel also talks about... I love these prophets for that. So this is where Martha's getting it. This is where that, prof, that promise that she held on to, that was passed on from generation to generation, these scriptures came to life to her. And as I studied, I was like, wow, they are actually there. This is where that hope started. Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise... And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Talking about the book of life. The, one that, the ones that we lit these votives for today, they're written in that book. That's why we have this eternal hope. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life. Here comes the other part. The one we don't want to be a part of. But the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. These ones that we light the candles for. It's already written. They're already in the book. What are we doing to make sure that our next generation continues that? Because we want to make sure that our children and those around us, our loved ones, find the everlasting hope not the contempt, not the judgmental side, for it will be there. Then I started to ask myself, okay, so it's in the prophets. How far back can this go? Where is, where is it? Where does it start? I started looking back, looking through the rabbis' commentaries for the church. Found it in Job. There's a passage in Job that I had looked over time and time again. And in Job 14, verses 5 through 16, again, I would have passed by this and never caught on to it. I was even looking at this um, through some of the rabbis, and I was like, wow, I really appreciate this, because it opened my eyes to it. One thing that First Fruits has challenged me on is to look and just dive into one thing and really sit there and think about it. Verse 14:5 through6 of Job says, "Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limits and his limits have you, you have set so that he cannot pass. Turn your gaze from him that he may rest until he fulfills his days like a hired man. For there is hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again, and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground, and its stump dies in the dry soil, at the scent of water it will flourish, and put forth sprigs like a plant. But man dries and lies prostrate, man expires, where is he? As water evaporates from the sea, and a river becomes parched and dried up, So man lies down and does not rise. Until the heavens are no longer, he will not awake nor be aroused of his sleep. Wow. So verse 12, catch that. So man lies down and does not rise up until the heavens are no longer. So the heavens will pass away. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep until those heavens... So the new heaven and the new earth. Get that right there, that one little verse, verse 12. Interesting. I would have read right past that and never really thought about it. So with that verse, it goes on to say, Oh, that you would hide me in shield, that you would conceal me until your wrath returns to you, that you would set a limit for me and remember me. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle I will wait until my changes come. Okay, verse 14. Until my changes come. That is a very interesting saying in Job. First of all, remember Job was before Moses he falls right at, he falls right in between genesis 11 and genesis 12 chronologically in the bible so he's already referencing the eternal life the the coming of the kingdom until my changes come rashi says this about that verse just as i am wholehearted with him so is he also my salvation my salvation we only refer to Christ as our salvation goes on but you will not find favor in his eyes because of hypocrites cannot come before him this is what was said to them because you did not speak to me properly interesting Rashi refers to this piece as his salvation I just wanted to share that with you as I found that interesting. It goes on to say, You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the work of your hands. For now you number my steps. You do not observe my sin. See, his days were numbered is what he's saying. But yet, eternity is what you catch in there if you actually break down those scriptures and look at them in Job 14. The eternal life starts with creation. In the book of creation, in Genesis chapter 3, as I started to look at this closer, I thought, wow, even within the creation story, eternal life is talked about. It's talked about because Adam sinned and didn't follow what Jesus or what God had already told them not to eat from the tree of good and evil. Interesting, he didn't tell them not to eat from the tree of eternal life. But they were put out because they had chosen to eat from the tree they weren't supposed to. Genesis three twenty-two through twenty-four <clears throat> it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live for a little while? For 120 years? For 900 years as we know they lived? No, it says forever. Right there. Interesting that they would not eat from the tree, so they would not live forever. Karen and I had a discussion this week as I was looking and I found this. I said, this actually, to me, and other people may interpret it different, but that shows me that their bodies were not made to live forever. When He created Adam, He created Eve. Because they would have had to have eaten of that tree to live Forever. How many people? I mean, it's funny. The books, there's books out there that talk about finding that potion, finding that thing that allows people to, their age, to go backwards. But it could have been found on a tree. But they were put out because of it. So it says, So he drove the man out and the east, at the east of the garden. Of Eden, and he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. We know, as Christians, and in, in this congregation, there is only way, one way, to that tree, and that's through Christ Himself. But these are passages that I wanted to share with you that I had found. This is a, a question that I asked when I was a kid that I started to look over the scriptures and I found where Martha had her hope in the resurrection, in the hope of eternal life. These are questions that not only I had as a kid, but I need to be prepared to answer, not to just my children, but to those who I am ministering to because those are questions that they're also going to have. So we need to be prepared in that way. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to share the testimony of my grandparents and my uncle, um, and I'll I'll encourage you guys to do the same. For if you did, go ahead and light a candle, or for those you may know. So let's turn to the Lord now. Lord, we.